excited that we're back. Good till almost canceled. <laughs> this is my Christmas present, man. This is fantastic. <laughs> Low hanging fruit. Yeah. Good. Crushed it with Henny yesterday. She's um yeah, I just I like her in general. She just uh knows her stuff. I mean, some of the stuff is um you know, probably a little bit elementary for some, but always good to hear reminders and things like that. There's nothing wrong with going back to the basics and uh, reminders of the fundamentals. For sure. Um, do you want to, how do you want to do this? Do we want to kick this off? Do you want to uh, let you drive this thing or what? Well, I mean, I don't know. You're the expert. You want me to I kick can, it off? I mean, I can, I can go if you want me to. All right, I'll, I'll, I don't, I don't find any confidence in that. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome back to Good Till Cancelled. Nick um, pulled me out of the abyss to do this, so I'm, you know what? Not even begrudgingly, I'm actually excited to be back on this. It's, uh, it's always a fun time. It's always a good conversation. Nick is responsible for meeting or podcast content, and I suppose I will be responsible again for. Uh, MCing a little bit and 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 taking the wheel when we don't know what direction we're going. So anyway, welcome back to Good Till Cancelled. I have no idea what episode this is. I'm guessing episode seven or eight. But with that, we'll uh, get into the conversation. So I will turn it over to you, uh, Mr. Nielsen. Corey, so great to see you. So great to be back. Good Till Cancelled. We were not cancelled, at least yet. Uh, First of all, it's no secret that both of us spend a ton of time on social media, probably a lot more than we'd like to admit. I often think about where the puck is going. What is next in social media? We're just diving right in here. We're diving right in. This is what the the people want. Both of my viewers are on pins and needles right now wanting to know what is next. You know, I get asked this all the time from the, uh, you know, not clients. I get asked this all the time from prospects because I think they're looking for, you know, a, a solution to their problem. I have no idea where, what's next. I, I think that's actually a, you know, that's like asking in reality, like that's like asking what's next with the internet. Like what's, what's next? I don't know. www like side, like there is no next it's, I look at it like social media is so mature and I'm assuming that's what you're asking this on what's next in social, right? Like I think it's just the continued maturity of all these platforms. If you want me to try, like where, to is the, where is the attention going? Like I know that both of us begrudgingly are on LinkedIn, but I don't think either of us enjoy it. Right. LinkedIn's just changed so much. Like it's not fun. Like it used to be. I don't know. I feel like I'm just sorting through noise there. What do you feel? Yeah, it's pretty much all ads, propaganda. I mean, I don't feel like there's a lot of great content creators that keep me dialed in wanting to show up to see what people are saying. Yeah, like I'm with you on that. I don't even know that it's propaganda. I feel like there's been such a push of like, you have to be on LinkedIn. So then people just throw shit out and they just, just to check the box, they're on LinkedIn. It's not entertaining by any stretch of the imagination, or there's just not enough entertaining people to carry the feed. Yeah. So where's the attention going is a good question. That's, that's probably something we could address. You know me, I believe in YouTube. I'm big on YouTube. Um, 
I don't think it's necessarily like 45 minute long diatribes on YouTube because those are hard to get people's attention with. I think it's those two to three minute clips that provide quick entertainment or value. I mean, that's how I consume content. The problem is like when you ask me where the attention's going, I go to like, where do I go at 930 on the couch? I'm not just like scrolling YouTube. <laughs> like YouTube's a place that I would go to if I know I want to consume Nick Nielsen. I would just search Nick. I would go to your channel. I'd find your stuff. But like I'm not scrolling there. Like I'm probably bouncing around like Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, bored on LinkedIn, back to Twitter, back to Instagram. Nothing's changed. Like that's kind of what my behavior is right now. I mean, where what are you what are you seeing? Yeah. Facebook is for family, right? That's like where the family stuff happens. And then like Twitter is my safe place for basketball stuff. I probably have the most fun on Twitter because that's where my basketball people are at. You know, that's, that's like with the hardcore basketball junkies, it seems like they live on Twitter. And um, with your encouragement, I just opened an Instagram account and I have no idea what's going on in Instagram. I haven't figured that out yet. So <laughs> Too, too early to tell, but I mean, I, I enjoy like Facebook reels. I enjoy like the YouTube shorts because my attention span is so short. And a lot of times I'm doing this with, you know, an NBA game or a junior college game on the big screen. And I'm just doing this on the side, you know, it's not, you know, as a financial advisor, I'm well aware that nobody shows up to LinkedIn. Like, man, I gotta, I gotta give me a financial advisor today. They're no, there because they're looking for, they're, I mean, they're on LinkedIn because they're networking, looking for a, a, a different job or whatever the case might be. Some what some of their coworkers might be doing. I mean, nobody is really going there with the intent of I got to find myself a financial advisor, financial planner today. No, I don't think so. I, I think you're just trying to catch people when they're, I don't know. I don't think back to my corporate days. I mean, plenty of times I'd be sitting on the couch watching basketball or sports or whatever and like knowing that I, I just hate the idea that I have to go back to work tomorrow. And once that seeps in, you, I jump on LinkedIn and I might start looking for a job. <clears throat> Seriously, I think that's and, why people are there. I mean, I think that's the number one reason why people are on LinkedIn. It's the job deal. You have a lot yeah. of corporate people that are always looking for, I mean, what else is out there? Is there something that's better than where I'm at today? Yeah, I think 100%. So I look, I don't want to sit here and demonize and say LinkedIn's dead and done and or or any of these platforms are dead and finished. I just think our the movements change. You ask where the puck's going like I think the I don't know. I I I say this to clients all the time. You've heard this from me a million times. I just want people to be due diligenceable, searchable. I just want you to have your ducks in a row so that when people do want to find out more about you, like you've got stuff put together. Like, I think that is the biggest one for me when someone comes and says, what's next? I'm like the hell with what's next. Like, let's just make sure you've got your house built and then we'll worry about like the addition in the backyard and the swing set. Like, let's just build the, build the thing. Have the right infrastructure in, in, in place. Get right? that, get, get the infrastructure in place and then dabble, find, find places that you like to play and go from there. Is there a certain um, type of content, you know, that, that you're excited about? Like, yeah, you're leading me here. Um, <laughs> I came up with a phrase actually chatting with Nick the other day. 
Um, and so he's teeing me up here. It's I came up with this idea that's called character content. And what I believe character content is, is creating stuff that aligns with the way people are feeling or the way people are living. And it's this concept that I'm running with and this idea that I have in the back of my head that like someone can hit me with, are you 40 with three kids? Right. And they can start to speak to me mm-hmm. in the stage in life that I am in the moment. And that's why I shared with you the other day, you put out that post that shared the calendar and everyone in our age group and demographic between 37 and 57 can probably relate to that graphic. And for those listening who obviously can't see or know what I'm talking about, Nick shared basically a image of a full schedule on a Tuesday. And it was just drop off kids, do this, pick this up, go to meetings, have this, you know, another meeting, lunch, and it's just a full day and you don't sit down till nine o'clock. And that to me is character content. And you have the window, right? You have, you have the window. What are you going to do with that small window? Like that it's 90 minutes, maybe two hours, whatever the case is. Like you have a small window to catch, you know, to, to take a breath and figure out what you're going to do um, to do in that time. No, I, I think that is, I, mean, I, th- I think that's right. And I'll give you another example. Um, my business partner, Jeff, is on the hunt for a CRM. I mean, just on the hunt for a CRM. And we're, we're now, we will Jeff listen to this. <laughs> so do we have to be careful though? <laughs> um he may he may he may and it's fine um but he's hungry to change and he goes to a website wealth box give them a plug and it's they have a wealthbox.com backslash lpl they have a specific link for lpl and it's a very simple landing page and it has a uh, left-hand column has a has a video you click the video and the guy's holding up a thing like, hey, LPL advisor, are you frustrated with your current CRM? Mm-hmm. And like, it didn't matter what they said after that. Jeff knew they were talking directly to his soul. And he's like, they get me. This is what we need. I'm like, you haven't even seen the demo yet. He's like, this is the greatest video ever. Not only is this what we need, we need to change our website to make it look exactly like this with a short video <laughs> of us talking to sales executives. Nick, didn't you hear they actually even said Jeff in the video? You're like, no, you're hearing things. <laughs> <laughs> they implied Jeff. But I mean, I, I think that is, uh, I think that's part of the character content that they were speaking directly to his pain point of the frustrations of the CRM that he was currently using. Look, if anyone's, I couldn't agree more. If anyone's out there listening to this and and needs YouTube ideas, like you can't go wrong creating, I I know you don't have the capacity to do it, but 50 videos that just talk to those specific characters. 53, two kids that, right. Uh, You know, just, just hitting people with that stuff. You know, do you make $300,000 a year, feel like you're stable, but have no money? That's big. Yeah. Make a half million dollars a year and you live paycheck to paycheck, right? Like what the hell's going on? Like that's, mm-hmm. that hits people hard. And then that once you do that, you know, as long as you don't let them down in, in the follow-up or the, the video and in the content, it's, yeah. it's 
You know, honestly, in my own situation, I remember my first job out of college, had a little apartment, $300 a month, I believe, made $11.54 an hour. I mean, I, I promise you, I had more disposable income then at whatever, 21, 22 years old than I do now. You know, like Don't every, even get me started. Don't get me started. Every, 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 everything's allocated today, you know, single, 21, 22 years old. I mean, I, I felt like a king, had money in the bank. Had you know wanted to go to a concert could do that, wanted to go double meet at Chipotle could do that right you know just a little bit more disposable income. It's really easy to make three four five hundred thousand dollars a year, and feel like you're living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, and and this is a rabbit hole we could go down another time, but it's this stage in life. It's just it's it's grueling. Like we have more knock on wood. Like grateful we have more income coming in today than we have had in our lives and it's not to say that there's nothing left but it's like good god where does it go it's allocated right it's all allocated. <laughs> other than your ben simmons rookie card allocations like you know there's there's not a lot of cash flow there i'm like debating 80 dollars sneakers i'm like what the hell is going on here Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I feel guilty. I mean, it took me like six months to to pull the trigger on some sneakers and actually probably a conversation with, with you is, is kind of probably what got me over the top. I feel connected to you in a way, and I've never met you in person. Uh, that is incredibly rare. And I'll just share some stuff with the audience that people don't know about us, which is crazy. Huh. Um, we We have the same wedding anniversary on thanksgiving coming up that's when i met my wife and on what what's the significance of thanksgiving for you and your wife that's when i proposed that's when you proposed our wives have the same name mm-hmm. i mean it's like the, the the uh the similarities between us it's unbelievable and then in a same conversation age. same age and then in a conversation this week i find out that we have the fav- same favorite movie mm. All right, so I see where you're going here. And the, 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 and we both have, I think, several favorite movies. And then I gave you a list and I'm like, oh my goodness, I left off the usual suspects. How can I kind of, you know, diss on Kaiser Sose? But the movie that we both agreed was one of our favorites was Blow. Which I'm blown away with, with you because, you know, and folks that know you know that you are a, um, I would say, faith-based man who you know you're just not as brash as i come off sometimes i i I bite my tongue on this podcast so that i don't you know drop too many f-bombs and and go off you just be you core you don't you don't worry about it but so when i think of you saying your favorite movies blow i wouldn't have ever guessed that because it is it's it's full of debauchery yeah, the first of all, I think Ray Liotta, the, the, the late Ray Liotta, is one of the great actors um, of our lifetime. I think he's so good. And that movie, I thought he was incredible. But um, it's a great movie for financial planners. And I think what we do. <laughs> no, it really is. Like, you know, Ray Liotta, his, his character, Fred Young. He, he, Hang on, we got to take a time out. Yeah. Below, ready? Blow is a great movie for financial planners. Every financial planner should watch it because 
Fred sees his son, he doesn't understand money, right? If you get obsessed with money, there's there's a lot of chance that you lose everything in that pursuit. And you know, he has the quote, you know, money isn't real, George. It doesn't matter. It just it only seems like it does. And um, you know, George in his pursuit of money loses everything, you know, relationships uh with his with his wife, with his daughter, um, you know, his freedom. You know, I mean, it's just a terribly it's a terribly sad movie, but it's something that I think every financial planner has to, in some way, uh, have a conversation with clients about, you know, because, you know, what is this money really for? What are we trying to do with it? I mean, the pursuit of getting Scrooge McDuck rich causes a lot of problems for the vast majority of people who try to do that. Is that your favorite kind of um uh, byline or is that your favorite like underlying theme in the film is is the relationship between him and his father is that where you're like what stands out to you as like this is why i enjoyed this movie and put it at so high up on my list yeah i think um you know growing up i just assumed we were rich because i had everything that i thought was important to me you know, and I remember like eight years old, you know, we had a you know brick house and I had a tennis ball and I'd go out there and I would just throw that tennis ball against the wall for hours. We, you know, we had a basketball goal, like life was rich. I assumed we were rich. And then later in life, I find out like, you know, probably at best we were, you know, maybe middle class for my town, lower middle class overall. And uh, we live in like the same, like, I, I feel like we've lived these parallel lives basically i was dominant in suicide right off the wall yeah like, the tennis ball off the wall thing like i just had that right hand like the the coordination like i'm gonna get you it was, it was the best kids today will never understand the pure joy of that and i could do it for hours and god bless my parents they let me do it yeah um, i don't I, like my kids throwing us whipping balls against the side of my house <laughs> would last about two minutes yeah my i think our our generation of parents apparently were much uh much mentally stronger than i am I totally agree with that. Um, so wait, basketball hoop again, same. Um, we had a pool, which was weird. And it it seemed like all my friends in school thought like they would tease me because I, I hung out with kids that that were, you know, not from my neighborhood. They weren't necessarily bad kids, but they didn't have as much. And they would tease me like I was rich. I, I think the most my dad made was 60 grand. And my mom was at home, right? So it was 60 grand household of three like to to the point you make it felt like we had everything but like i think about it and it's like we didn't have a whole like it it wasn't like today you go to target and the kids just get something you know what i mean it wasn't right. like that right um so i don't mean to interrupt you but keep going back to the why blow yeah so much to you and i think it's like the relationship um you know i, I hope i was a better listener when my dad spoke to me and provided that knowledge the way that Fred did George. Um, but even more so now, as I become a, uh, a parent, you know, the George's relationship with his daughter, I mean, that's, that's like, a, that's a gut wrenching relationship. Um, and I just, I mean, I love, I have three kids. I love my daughter so much. It's ridiculous. I love my boys too, but you know, that, that line at the, <laughs> the end of the movie, <laughs> 
you know, that line at the end of the movie, there are no more, uh, there are no more, uh, was it pretty ladies or white horses or whatever it is, right? That, that line when he's in the prison and he has that vision that he's with his daughter, that's not really there. And just to see, like, just, I think it makes you want to be a better spouse when it makes you want to be a better husband it makes you be a better, better parent, the whole deal. Like, I don't want to put that sort of heartbreak on others. Just the relationship component intertwined, I think is very powerful. I'm very lucky that I had a great relationship with both of my parents, obviously, you know, incredibly dysfunctional relationship between George and his mom, but the, the, the story development, the plot development, I thought was just so well-written in that movie. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no wrong answer to that. I agree. Um, you know, for me, two things that come to mind quickly, if you asked why would be one is, you know, I'm always interested in in storylines where the good guy dies, like or the the bad guy who's a good guy dies, right? He doesn't die, but like loses. Mm-hmm. Like I root for people like him because I know the way it's written to your point, you know he's not a bad human. You right. know he's not a bad person. He's caught up in something that he can't unwind and unwinding it to him and and in reality in situations like that is playing it through right right yeah he thought he thought he was out right i mean he he thought he was out and um you know he got he got uh snookered by the fbi there you know right at the end now who knows if he would have ever got out like you know the story makes you believe that that was his last deal he was going to get out but would that ever come to fruition i mean whoever knows but um just another one of those crazy things that both one of our favorite favorite movies i did mention the usual suspects because i neglected that is that one of your favorite movies as well yeah i love that movie you know it's tough for me to when you say favorites and i'm sure it's the same for you because like you don't want to leave stuff out like i always go back to the you know the ray liotta thing right like he just plays those characters so well you like you could put casino on on a rainy Saturday and like, I'm going to have a hard time turning it off, even though it's like 17 hours, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm into those types of movies. That's kind of my wheelhouse. I also mentioned to you Shawshank, like stuff that pulls on the, on the, you know, the thinking and the the perspective cords for me is really gets me. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think like when I have that free time, right. Going back to the schedule analogy, like NBA game, junior college game, or good movie. Like I'm always looking for that good movie um, to fill the slot. Now, recently got off the movie train because my wife wanted to watch the crown. So we grinded through six seasons of the crown. I wouldn't, I would not recommend anyone to go down that endeavor as well. um, Unless you really love your spouse. I think it's a great testament to how much you love your spouse. If you can endure six, six seasons of it. Have you, have you and your wife happened to go down that path? We went down, I think, I think we made it through um, where the second character change for the queen. I don't know how many seasons that is. It, it, I found it starting to get difficult in the, in that era. Uh, yeah. I, I was dying for the Diana era, but we never made it that far. Yeah. And they haven't concluded the Diana era. So like season six just ended and, you know, you know, spoiler alert, Diana's still alive. Um, so yeah, I would have definitely pulled the ripcord much earlier. <laughs> I was like, we have all these great things to do. Like we have, uh, we have Christmas movies are out now. Like let's, let's revisit some of the greats, try something different. 
um, NBA season. Now, Corey, you know, I recently got to do a first for me and we both love NBA and you really pulled me back in. So I, I got to sit courtside for an NBA game, which was an awesome experience that I would wish everybody would get that chance, you know, just to be up close, have some interaction with the players, watch how they communicate with each other. Really, really interesting. It was a lot of fun to see it in, in person. And I know you've taken your boys to games. There's just something that's different about getting to see it in person versus uh, versus television. NBA is great in person. I'm like, NFL, TV is fine. Uh, fact, TV's more TV's than fine. A, NFL's tough in person. It's slow. Yeah. And you're outdoors most of the time. It's cold, you know, especially in Philly. Like that's this time of the year. It, it takes a lot. But NBA in person, definitely, you know, mm-hmm couple times a year would be worth worth the treat yeah I'm, I'm with you there that's you know that's a funny one for me I've never had the opportunity to sit courtside I've had great seats I think I went to a Celtics Bulls game a decade ago we were you know I don't know 12th row it, it feels different you know the one thing that where I'm at in life and I just I'm grateful for having the ability to do it and it's not like Again, we're not like super well off, but if we're going to go to games, if I'm going to drag the boys down to the city and, and do the thing, it ain't in the 200 level. You know, it's because you're only doing two games a year, three games a year. So it's it's bucking up and, you know, 105 row, you know, 18, you know, feeling like you're you, you can actually see what's going on. And that for me has been a big change. Uh, you know, I was always growing up. I was grateful for my dad to take us to an Expos game or a Yankees game. And I didn't care where we sat. I just remember how green the grass was. Right. Like that was the whole experience. But now as an adult, selfishly, I'm like, we got to get down there. Now, courtside's a different, different. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You've made for, it for, for, dis, for disclosure. They weren't my tickets. I went with I went with a shout out to Robert Russo. They're his tickets. Um, and he was kind enough to invite me. Um, when you yeah. can squeak your sneakers on the floor. <laughs> yeah. When you have to be reminded to, uh, you know, please, uh, you know, bring your feet back, you know, <laughs> um, the, the, that was a great, great time. Now, one of the things and, you know, that surprised me a little bit because I don't go to many games in person is the amount of adults wearing jerseys to the game. Um, what a topic. I can't wait to see where you go with this. So where, where do you stand on, on jerseys? Are you a Jersey guy? Now, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings here. So you're, you're, you're asking me this a question. And this I'm is a safe place. It. Yeah, this is a safe place. It's a violation. It's an <laughs> adult violation. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like if you do do it, you have to wear an undershirt, right? If you're forty, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, 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 I saw a lot of middle aged age men, uh, no undershirts, just you know, just jersey only, which I thought with was just a full... with 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 the arms that aren't filling the sh- the the and the shoulders that don't fill it out. I'm like, that's a bold move, Cotton. Bold move. It's a violation. Yeah. It's it's just a violation. There's. Uh, you know, Jay-Z, one of my favorites of all time, you know, talks about it in uh, an album, I think 2007. I don't even remember the line, but he's just like, I've moved on. It's, you know, it's jeans and a button down. Yeah. Right. Like, um, I'm all about the youthfulness. Like I'm wearing a, I, I wear a flat brim everywhere I go. Like, you know, 
40 year olds years ago didn't do that but uh jerseys on adults is just I, that's a that's a Corey violation yeah i mean i'm going i'm going lumberjack chic today here with my uh with my flannel um, now i will say like I have no, I have no problem. Like if you want to have a Jersey in like your man cave, like you have a Jersey behind you and it's different story. That, that's different, right? Like you, it, it's on your wall. It's not on your body. So with, with that as a backdrop, if you had to put a Jersey on your wall, what would you go with? Oh man. Any sport or hoops? Let's go hoops. Let's go NBA. Oh God. And you can't, and you can't, you can't choose Jordan. Yeah, it's hard because I didn't grow up. I grew up a fan of players, right? I'm from Vermont. Like I had to pick and choose. Like to, yeah. it was, you know, the dream team, just like you. So I, I could answer this in a multitude of different ways. You know, today I like, you know, my guy James or uh, uh, Maxi Tyrese. Yeah. Like I would go like fun and energetic today, like all time. Yeah, it'd probably be cool to have a Dr. J or an AI or a Kobe. Um, you know, Steph Curry, stuff like that. You know, uh, what about you? Oh, no doubt. I know exactly where I'm going. I want like a 87 or 88 Denver Nuggets, Alex English. See, that's just a waste of, it's a waste of wall space. It's a, it's just a waste of the whole question. Those were the most glorious uniforms ever. That's like going Cedric Sabalos. <laughs> you know, that's just ridiculous. But it's, I mean, it's a piece of art. I mean, those jerseys, were art probably the best thing that's ever happened to the denver nuggets organization were those jerseys this is uh, why you get paid what you get paid to answer questions like that with people that no one on this podcast even knows everybody knows alex english he got snubbed on the nba <laughs> 75 the numbers were there he, he just wasn't flashy and, and literally never, he was not a man coming, of the, he was not a man of the media people coming to your house would be like that's like is that a buddy of yours <laughs> Did english you just, <laughs> did you put english on the back of, a, of yeah. the jersey because that's the language that you speak um you're, you're, i'm giving you a thousand dollar gift card to do that that's that's literally what you're doing with it you have to use the whole thousand to buy that jersey because it doesn't exist so it has to be custom made i mean he went to the university of south carolina maybe somebody down here knows him <laughs> put, in, put in a good word for me maybe he has an extra <laughs> one laying around laying around but i mean he averaged like 20 20 plus for a career. I mean, he was a heck of a player and smooth, silky smooth. Um, he just, he was kind of like the Tim Duncan of his generation. Like he just never got the love. He wasn't on a great team, but you know, realistically, if I had to have an iconic piece, it would be like, it would be Jordan. No, you went English. <laughs> but I mean, if, if you had to get me, if you had me, if I had to do something mainstream, it would be, it would be Jordan bird magic maybe the trio together let um, me ask you this uh, as we're talking jordan i know you're a big jordan guy and i don't want to derail our conversation i know i was really hoping to see him in person by the way at the hornets game i was yeah, hoping I think, that he was going to be on the bench yeah i don't think so he probably he's no, up he was he's not crouchy isn't he? he's upstairs he was not he used to be on the bench no longer <laughs> on the bench what what was your perspective on him you know as adults did anything change with you and him as you've kind of come up and 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 then the, the documentary came out and you know a little bit more about him, right? Like those guys got a pass because they grew up in the 
era where we didn't know anything about them. And for all intents and purposes, and I don't mean to sound this way, but for all intents and purposes, that guy was a douchebag. He's so not somebody that, change... that you would want to be like your friend, you know. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, there's not a lot of people going around like, oh, MJ, MJ man, great guy, really gave back, <laughs> to the community, you know. Um, no one's saying, man, MJ, great teammate, but uh, the documentary I think showcased his desire, obsession, passion, whatever word you want to use, um, about winning, which which I respect, right? You know, his whole speech about winning has a price. I mean, it certainly does. And it came at a high price to uh, personal and professional relationships to him and tore a lot of things apart in that process. So I, I, it's hard to separate the two, but what he did on the court was amazing and clearly a guy that was willing to do the work and, you know, just watching him sprint in practices to make sure that he won every sprint to make sure that he won every three on three, every one-on-one, like he was obsessed with winning. And that's probably the reason that he was, you know, as great as he was obviously well-documented that he got cut, uh, you know, high school basketball team early on, you know, certainly LeBron, KG, AI were never cut. They were anointed from a very young age as great. Um, So I think, you know, MJ's, backstory is really fascinating how he wasn't an anointed one from a young age like so many of these you know young AAU kids are today it's just interesting because like growing up you me and every other kid idolized the dude right and it's just funny that like we knew nothing about him and he just he didn't care that we idolized him and you know, he doesn't seem like the kind of person that was warm and fuzzy to his fans and the people. And I don't know, I think a lot about it with Tiger Woods, right? Like I shared that, I mentioned that to you in text days ago or whatever, like Tiger Woods to me created a, a something, uh, you know, he, he, he just inspired golf to me and, and a whole generation of people. And he too was a little early for social. And, you know, as you grow up as an adult, you, you kind of have to defend them as people like who's one of your favorite athletes of all time like tiger woods and people are like that guy's like a slimy like asshole and you're like yeah like but like to your point like that's what made that robot in him is what made him great and it's there's so few people that are wired that way but it's like they traded that and it just it, i don't know something that makes me think like it's an ex- it's an exchange for sure like you're you're exchanging some currency of relationships for success yeah and i know you don't like him and i'm interested in it but like this is why i do think like i think i think steph curry is is way underrated and i know you like him but but I, i think lebron and steph need to get more respect in the sense of like they're they they're not as assholey as those guys Oh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. The thing that I love about Steph specifically or that I think is so fascinating about him is that he completely changed how the world plays basketball. The entire world is different because of him, whether you're watching third graders, uh, high school games, junior college, college, NBA, Olympics, 
the game of basketball is different because of Steph. Internationally. Internationally, yeah. Change the world. Change how the world plays the game. Um, revolutionized the sport. It, uh, it, it reinvigorated small people that they could still play the game. Um, I mean, That it, gave it, me goosebumps hearing instinct. that you just say that, dude. Because, like, there's a kid who's... <clears throat> there's a kid in China who's not going to be more than 6'1 in his life, but still has the dream yeah, because of Steph Curry. Exactly. You don't have to be 6'6", 6'8". You don't have to look like LeBron. You look at LeBron and he's so genetically superior yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you're like, all right, this guy should be in the NBA. That makes sense. But you look at Steph, it's th- that could be your neighbor. You know? I mean, what's what's what he has done is amazing it's absolutely phenomenal yeah that's um, a really good point like lebron you look at and you're like i mean i built you on a video game <laughs> he yeah i mean he he looks like you know he's chiseled out of granite and he doesn't age and but we shouldn't you know take anything away from him because there's a whole lot of super talented guys you know that never made it or they played a couple years in the nba and they ate themselves out of the league or drank themselves out of the league or whatever you know, the case may be, um, why isn't Sean Kemp LeBron James? Why yeah, isn't Antoine right. Walker LeBron James? So you have to give LeBron James a lot of credit that he has taken care of himself um, because this, I, I don't think it's easy to maintain because nobody else in the history of the game has ever done it the way LeBron has done it from... Well, you're the same age, and I promise it's not as easy to maintain <laughs> Yeah, I, I I promise I don't have his vertical or uh, you know any, any anywhere near it. But you know, there's so many amazing people who were the number one ranked high school player in the country, the number one college player in the country, a top three draft pick. You know, that have nowhere near um, the lasting power of LeBron oh, James. Weird. The Sixers have had two of them in the last decade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Mar- Markel and Ben haven't worked out really well, but. You know, some sometimes you, you know, the the NBA, the key to the NBA is being able to find those diamonds in the rough. But to, you, 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 sometimes it's you know it's luck. But I mean, you know, is Danny Ainge lucky, or is he just really good at evaluation over long stretches of time? Like it seems like he hits more than he misses. Um, I think maybe, there's yeah, the, he's I mean, an accumula- he's an accumulator of picks. But I think he has a great eye. I mean, some of these people just have great eyes for talent and then some people some organizations are just notoriously gonna mess it up i will point to the movie that you enjoyed that i did um the the adam sandler who hustle hustle i think that happens more often than not and that's what the problem is i think the meddling between the front office and the talent evaluator gets effed up and mm-hmm. that's what happens in pro sports in my opinion most of the time if if you don't give the talent evaluator the room to make the errors and the room to make the calls and you meddle that's what i mean that's, i saw that firsthand with the sixers during the whole process thing you had the colangelos come in and, and the whole thing it, it just turns into a political thing because you mentioned the movie hustle and you mentioned lebron james i have to mention the guy that has probably the the most similar body structure and athletic ability to lebron james in nba which i think is anthony edwards um that guy's an amazing actor yeah he did a good job 
he's really, really talented. Yeah, he really made you dislike him. <laughs> yeah, but he was really good at being dislikable. I still uh-huh. looked, I still dislike him though. That's the weird thing. Like he did such a good job that I'm like, he's on like, screw this guy. And maybe if someday if the Timberwolves are lucky enough to unload him um, and he gets to a different organization, like I, I think right now, if he was a Philadelphia 76er, he's one of your top three players on earth, right? Because you need that athletic six, seven forward that that he would provide but yeah, I minnesota's not I, I mean I, i'm sure there's a million franchises he could go to but minnesota's definitely there's there's something wrong with that place i don't know what it is yeah i mean you know jimmy butler obviously kind of hated there worked his way out he hates losing he's kind of like a michael jordan obsessed with winning type guy by by all accounts uh, a-rod and what's his name bought it so i was hoping that it would you know you hope that it turns around but yeah, you got big cat Carl Anthony Towns there, who I think is one of my least favorite players to watch in the that's NBA. That's part of the problem. Watching seven-footers jack threes. Yeah. Um, anyway, let, let's put a bow on this, because but it's a big one. We can come back to it. I, Steph Curry's underrated all time. In, like, in real time, just set the three-point record last year, won another title, like still underrated all time. 100%. You don't appreciate it in real time because now you have so many copycats of him, right? There just aren't. Like, go put his game on and just watch. He just he scored 31 in the first half the other day. Like, just just, just the fluidity of – he plays – he, like, jokes with these guys. Like, I think – I feel like someone's going to punch him in the face one of these days. I want him – and it might be Draymond Green. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish somebody would put, like, a, a Nike watch on him because I would love to know – how many how many miles does he run in a game? I mean, watching him move without the basketball is also a thing of beauty just, that few people appreciate. It's God. nonstop motion. And, you know, the Warriors, I think, are really good at putting the right pieces around him, guys that are willing to set screens. And I think the Warriors will figure it out this year. But Steph, all-time underrated, probably one of the top three most influential players of all time. Yeah, it has to be. Like... How old is he now? He's he's not thirty five yet. Mm, let's see. Let's let's go back to the rookie card. The rookie card was oh seven card. oh oh eight. So oh, that's, nine. Uh, oh nine. So that's thirteen years ago. So he's probably thirty five. He's probably mid thirty. Oh nine is it? Oh nine tops chrome, right? Is it oh nine? I thought it was an oh nine tops chrome. Yeah, but he we got to remember he went to four years at Davidson, right? Yeah, so let's say he's 22 when he graduated Davidson, 13 years from 09. He's probably 35. Yeah, so, I mean, we're, 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 I guess where I'm going with it is like, we should just appreciate these last, you know, you don't know how long that's going to last. But shooters do have some longevity. You looking it up? I'm looking it up. I don't know how I don't know this. That's, if anyone wants to buy me a gift, he's uh, 34. Thirteen thousand uh, dollars for a Topps Chrome PSA ten, uh, babyface Steph Curry rookie card. I would, we'd be friends for a long time. Christmas is coming. <laughs> James Mayer, Honey, you heard it. You have to sign a FedEx package. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those things are getting expensive too. I, I am shocked at um, just sending an envelope now. It's crazy. Yeah, mail. Yeah. I sent a thin envelope the other day with like three pieces of paper and it was $9.90. When is Bezos just going to buy the USPS? 
I mean, if it happened today, it would be too late. Like, let's go. Let's get him like on. Here. So here's a check. You can retire your little World War II Jeeps that drive around and pollute the world. <laughs> I mean, Amazon's at my house eight times a day already. Why can't they just bring me my mail too? <laughs> it's not actually don't even bring it. Just recycle it. There's nothing in there. Right. Right. Well, that's another What else thing. you got will, for will, a good will, will, we have, will we even have mail in 10 years? Um Anything business related you want to get to to help the people that have subscribed to this to grow their business and be better marketers and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you were kind enough recently to set up, you know, a conversation with your network with Hannah Pryor, TED Talk speaker Hannah Pryor. And I mean, I thought she was absolutely phenomenal. I thought she was great. I thought just like the building blocks of her message was incredible. Some of the things that I, I took away was just, you know, people really aren't going to act on features that are going to act on the benefits. And I think that was, that was a big takeaway, you know, to make people curious. Um, I think there's, I mean, every financial planner that's out there needs to probably do two things. They need to connect with Hina. They need to connect with you. You know, those two things probably give you a big heads up on how you should be communicating, you know, to your ideal target client. So much of it is just the way that we make people feel really. And, and I think that's what content does for us. So, you know, we, uh, we're taking a hard left turn here into the business in business world, but like, that's why I encourage people to put out so much stuff and, and, and communicate with the world and just have that foundation in place. Because the more content you put out, the more you give people things to attach to and to get a feeling from. And like, I don't want to work with somebody that doesn't, make me feel comfortable, strong, secure, confident, happy, you know, once you start checking all those boxes and I don't fear the phone call and I don't fear the meeting, it's almost like you're, you're hiring a friend at that point, right? Like those are my best clients. You know, I have to get us off of the conversation of friends and like talk business. Cause it's like, we could just chat like this all day long. I'm like, no, we're, you're paying me. We have to like do work. Yeah. I mean, as a, you know, as a financial planner who does a lot of outbound marketing, whether it's LinkedIn, email, et cetera, like there's no better endorphin rush than getting a message back, right? Whether it's the DM or the email, it's like the greatest feeling on earth that somebody has seen your content and has taken the step to reach out to you in in some way. It's the greatest feeling ever. Do you feel like you're unstoppable? Like this is you know, just play into your confidence a little bit, but like in real, like really, like I know you're always working at getting better and stuff, but like at this point, are you on, is, are you unstoppable? Is, is where is the end game just going to happen for you? Like, do you feel that way? The thing I enjoy the most is just hearing people's stories and I know that I can help them. It's just a matter of getting a chance to hear their story and letting them know um, you know, like the, how I can help them. And it's just like a math thing. Cause I know how many conversations on average I'll have per month, how many of those conversations they ultimately become clients. And I know that I can grow and grow and grow. And hopefully I find a way over time to, you know, pour some gasoline on that where, you know, five turns to 10, 10 turns to 20, you know, per month quicker. Um, I think a lot of people kind of impose themselves that they, they put themselves in their own prison of like, I don't have enough money to meet with a financial planner. Um, 
I don't think I'm good enough. I'm not ready. I'm not doing as good as my peers. Um, so I kind of, I think we both like the movie, the dark Knight rises. And I think of when Bruce Wayne's in the pit, right. And he's, he's trying to climb out of the pit and, um, he can't do it. He's broken down, he's beaten down. And then the old guy in the prison with him, you know, he's talking about, um, you know, you make, make the climb like the child without the rope, you know, fear will find you again. And so he kind of motivates him and he goes to the wall and everybody's chanting. He's like, what are they chanting? He said, they're chanting rise. And he, he climbs the wall. He makes the jump. He barely makes it, but he hangs on, pulls himself out and gets himself out of the pit. Like to me, there's so many clients out there that have put themselves in the pit like Bruce Wayne is. You know, my, my job is just like the old man in the pit whispering inspirational messages like, yeah, like embrace the fear. You can do this. Like, I'll tell you what to do. I'll help you get out of the pit. Um, and I just want to help as many people as I can for as long as I can, uh, because too many people are living down in that pit that don't need to be comparing themselves to people that they don't really understand what their balance sheet even looks like. Yeah, I, I I like that. I feel like the first, just taking that step of of someone hiring the financial planner is is I, I bet I, I can't imagine the relief that they feel on that first night, knowing that they took that 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 they're giving that stress and anxiety to someone else. The handoff. It's that's the one that's, that's how I, I mean, that's how my business is built with content marketing, right? Like so many folks buy into and believe that they need to be in content marketing and doing more and putting more out and, and building that foundation that we talk about. And it's not until they hand it off that they can breathe and focus on the other stuff that, that they need to be doing. And that's the same way I feel about the folks that, that you're looking to work with and that do work with, like you're carrying around a backpack full of bricks. And it weighs you down every time you think about money and finances. And, and then you see your neighbor just bought a new BMW and you're like, right. it just stresses you out. Like hand that backpack off to the pro yeah. and live your life again. Yeah. It's really hard when you see everybody around you doing things that you would like to be doing or you think that you should be doing. And almost every message that I get is almost like there's some sort of like apology, like that's built into it. Like, Hey, I, I think I want to work with you, but I don't know if I have enough money. You know, I, I, I think you can help me, but you know, there's always like, but we're comparing ourselves to people that we don't know. We don't, we don't know the full balance sheet of our neighbor, right? That BMW might be completely financed. They might be underwater on it. They might owe $70,000 on a $50,000 car. That happens, you know, more often than we think. Or their dad, Henry, bought it and he just died. God forbid. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, and I, I, I think when you use social media, right, you can build like really meaningful, like authentic relationships. Just recently, I, I connected with a guy because uh, he's from Indiana. He's down here in the Carolinas. And I, I saw from his profile that he went to one of the great high school basketball programs in Indiana that I was very familiar with. And I just sent him a note. I was like, Hey, I don't know if you're a basketball fan. I see you're from here. Like huge Indiana sports fan. Hope you like life in the Carolinas. I know that you probably dislike the pizza. 
because that's the deal. Like Indiana has great pizza. Nobody knows about it. Everybody talks about the stuff on the East Coast. Indiana is really the best pizza in America, <laughs> bar none. David Portnoy. Now, David Portnoy needs to come to Indiana, um, check out the pizza. However, the Carolinas, North and South, have the worst pizza anywhere in the United States. You cannot get good pizza in North or South Carolina. It does not exist. So we're not talking about any business. I mean, for weeks now, I've just gone back and forth talking with this guy, really good dude, just about pizza. And he went to Indi- went back to Indiana, went to an LinkedIn IUS DMs. Where you, where LinkedIn you DMs, business? just building a relationship. And then, you know, the other day he sends me a message that, hey, he's interested in having a conversation. That's great. So I so, never asked him for business or anything. We're just talking about, about life, connecting like two guys. And like, oh, by the way, he's might be interested in working with me. Let's clarify for the audience, just because I want to make sure I'm on the same page. You reach out originally. You make the connection because how, how did the connection happen? The LinkedIn connection. Yeah. So he was he works for a company that I target. So I'm okay. looking for people. So I, I look at his profile and then I see, oh, by the way, in his profile, it shows where he went to high school. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is this is the iconic basketball school. I gotta connect okay. with this guy and drop him so in. So guys, pay attention to this. This is this is the game that Nick's talked about a million times. And just wanna he just explained it. Let's add the context. Nick spends a lot of time adding connections in his LinkedIn network that match the ideal client that he wants to work with. He goes and does this, finds this person, randomly happens to see this person has something in common with him that he can relate to. You shoot him a message talking Indiana pizza, you know, no business at all. Correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. I mean, and then you guys talk for weeks and you've you've never once said, hey, just want you to know I'm a financial planner. Right. Never. That's it, guys. That's the game. One thing I know is that Indiana people appreciate good pizza uh, and good basketball. We're about pizza and basketball. And um, you can't find pizza in, Car- in the Carolinas, and it gave us a common thing to talk about. I know, I know enough about him to know that he's one of my guys. He sent me, uh, he sent me emojis of, uh, of of Ben Stiller, some funny stuff. He speaks in emoji, so or gifs. He speaks in gif. So, I mean, I think he's a great dude. If, if nothing else, we'll get together. We'll talk about his situation, situation, and we'll have as good a pizza as we can find in the area. And you will be a referral point for him at some point in the future yeah. where maybe they work with you or his friends or family or whatever. But um, I got a wrap. I have a 10. This was fun. Um, I don't know what our schedule is going to be going forward. I, I assume we'll want to try to do a couple of these a month at least. Right. Let's do two a month. And um, Let's keep the people guys, coming back for more. Yeah, this folks, if you have, you know, questions, topics you want us to cover, you know, there's nothing, this is probably the most informal thing of all time. So just shoot Nick or I a DM or an email or text or however you can get in touch with us that, oh, this would be fun to hear you guys talk about, you know, we're game for that. But otherwise it's uh, always fun to have these conversations because it's pop culture, culture, sports, business. There's a lot that we cover. So it was good to be back on Good Till Canceled. Oh, it's great to be here, Corey. Let's do it again. All right, man. Have a good rest of the day. Um, I'm sure you and I will chat over the weekend. Sounds good, brother. Take care. See you next time.